to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Lisa. And I'm Alex. If you're new to our podcast, Lisa and I have been best friends since high school. And after many years of getting drunk together, we decided to experiment with being sober together. You can find out more about our story by going right back to the start of season one. We started Be Sober with a vision to connect people living a sober lifestyle, to help them feel less alone and show them that you can still have fun without alcohol. Be Sober is now the only sober community that has absolutely everything you need in one place. And we believe from the bottom of our hearts that everyone who doesn't want to drink alcohol deserves to feel normal. Morning, Lisa. Good morning, Alex. I've done loads this morning and I need to tell you about it because honestly, I wish that I was good at reels on Instagram like you because I would actually fill the squares this morning. (laughs) You are good at them. You do them. You just can't be asked. Well, that might be true. It was <laughs> so basically Your life is filled with more interesting things than reels. Speaking <laughs> of which, I've joined Karate Club now. Oh, I got your message last night. I'm like, oh my god. Well, I always say, right, I've no time, I've no time. But it's like you said, I'm there anyway. It was dead time. Yeah. So I'm sat there twiddling my thumbs. I might as well join in. And I really loved it. It was quite fun. Can can we just say that like I'm assuming that you were sat there with Abel and yeah, I'm not just watching you weren't were just at a random cratty lesson. Just watching everybody being a weirdo. No, I was definitely there with my little boy, Abel. And um, he, he's he been asking me to join. And I was going to join after Christmas, to be honest with you. I was thinking about it. And I used the fact that I've hurt my toes on Sarah's Three Peaks walk to delay it. But then, yeah, I, his friend didn't turn up last night and he wanted a partner. So the guy said, join in. I was like, oh, all right then. So next week I will go more appropriately dressed because I was sweating like an absolute <laughs> Oh, was it? So have you had to like sign up and stuff? I'm doing it this week. But yeah, I will be doing that's oh, funny. Crazy. I'll get bells. I'll be knocking everyone out. I feel like you might start to really annoy me with that you do that much stuff. You know, when you've got that person <laughs> <laughs> that, that does everything oh. and you're like, nee, nee, nee. I, f- I feel like you're becoming that person. I think I've always been that person, though. Think back to school. I was such a band geek. When I go to band on a Monday, I go to orchestra on a Tuesday, I went into this. I've always been that. Yeah, I think, you know what, in our school days, though, it was very much like that. Like, they did fill our time, didn't they? But how good was it? Didn't stop us getting up to no good, did it? Well, you know, I remember it. I blame school for my drinking habits because I remember my mum saying to me because I was doing that much I was I was in band I played netball I played rounders I was on every single team I snuck in the choir I just you know I was so involved in everything and my mum was like Lisa you're doing too much and being the excessive type of person that I am I thought yeah all right then I'll stop and I stopped everything (laughs) Like literally overnight, I stopped everything and just started going out, getting pissed with my mates instead. It's been a massive warning sign, you know, like everybody should have picked up on that and been like, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? They should. Yeah, yeah, to stop absolutely everything. Yeah, it's like, you know, like to wake up a different person. But speaking of absolutely everything, right, so this morning I got up, did the beef fit, which was amazing, by the way, and some of our members. Oh, all right. Well, I looked at you real and presumed you were going to be there it's not my fault you're not in bad thoughts I, I did it the cat woke me up at like 4 30 right I got up and I thought you know what shall I just get up shall I be one of them like 5 a.m.ers get up be ready for my beefit might have a run first and I thought no that's silly because I've got meditation tonight and I'll fall asleep went back to bed my alarm didn't go off and woke up at seven and was like shit <laughs> but um I did go for a run instead but yeah sorry go on no, so I did the beef it and there was a few members there who hadn't been for a little while and it was just a really lovely atmosphere. Jane said she's starting, and I, I wasn't going to gloat about this, but I am, right? Because <laughs> She said she's starting the Alex's Arm Appreciation Society. Oh! So it was because Anita was going on about my arms and saying how lovely they were. I was like, I, didn't, I used to think I was like... And they were too big and stuff, but I do like them now. Anyway, that's beside the point. I just wanted to get that one out there because I feel good about it. 
Yeah, and so you should do, you know, you've worked hard. And I think this is something when, you know, the Be Fit sessions are open to all of our members, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6.30am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It does make such a difference waking up with amazing people all on the same journey. And the fact that you get like sexy, sassy arms at the end of it is just amazing. Oh, it's like you're not too old to start. I mean, I, I obviously I've always done bits of fitness. But really, it's only been two years. I was in, you know, I was 42 when I started my fitness journey, my proper one. Yeah. And it's still going up. You know, like people say your fitness declines in your 40s. It, it's not declining. I'm still on the up. I'm still getting stronger. Well, it's a choice, isn't it? You know, in, you either do or you don't. Yeah, it, it's so true. And then after that, what did I do then? Oh, then I, I've prepared the dinner because my uh, middle child's going for minor surgery later. So it's amazing what you can get done when you have to. Yeah. I've been to the shop. I've dropped the kids off. I've prepared the blooming dinner. I've made coffee. You know, I just feel like really productive. Really. Either you run the day or the day runs you. That was my advice on my reel this morning because, you know, it's true, Alex. When I missed my alarm this morning, it had been so easy to have been like, oh, the cat bloody woke me up. Then I missed my alarm. And yeah. I actually thought, you know what? No, you are in control of this day and only you. So you either get up and do something about it. And it is a choice. It actually is. It is. And I mean, the only excuse people ever have is if they physically can't do things do you know what I mean if you if you physically can't do things but you find that those people who physically can't do things do things oh yeah they do do things people do stuff people are doers <laughs> <laughs> it's true though people do stuff and I think you know what it goes without saying Alex that people do more stuff when you stop drinking it just happens yeah and we were talking about this actually um on last night's coaching and saying that you know you can't say everything in life also available as part of our membership (laughs) 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 official.com but no they um, (laughs) are we're saying last night you know obviously you can't say sober's going to fix your life you can't say sober's responsible for absolutely everything but it really does make you present it really does put you in the mindset of wanting better health of wanting more for yourself you can't deny that can I share something um I didn't know whether I was going to share this actually because I'd hate to think ever that stuff came across as like showy off it or oh, give it to me I'll show off with it <laughs> <laughs> no but do you know what I mean it's really hard but I want to share it because it happened and you know that I've always been a massive believer in mindset and manifesting and things yeah. like that and when I, one of the things that I first did when I stopped drinking was create a dream board um actually a vision board not a dream board because I think sometimes when it's a dream board it's like oh it's a dream it can't come true um, <laughs> so it was a vision board a vision of what my future would be like and I still have this vision board up in my uh, bedroom and firstly I want to say it was really hard to do this vision board when you have got the opportunity to actually sit down and think what do I really really want I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question or anybody of our listeners has actually asked that question of what do I really really want my life to look like um it's worth asking because it's not as easy to answer that I don't think because as you first think you do it like you say you dream rather than actually think what do I want you think what should I yeah should it be instead of what do I want it to be so it is blooming hard it is. And on, on my vision board, I've got loads of, like, loads of things on it. And I've got to say, like 95% of my vision board has been ticked off. That's and nice. I can't actually believe it. But what's happened this week is like, it's made me dead emotional, actually. But when I first stopped drinking, one of the things that was a massive, massive difference in my life and when my mum stopped drinking is was mine and my mum's business that we've got. And it literally took off. So because we put the time and the effort in that we that we never really did before. So we've now created this like worldwide company that's incredible it's really well established it's very well known and um my two daughters work for us as well well I said work for us we've just made my eldest daughter a director 
So I've got to be dead careful now. I'm not allowed to just buy things. Um, <laughs> she's well strict. But um, when we had, we started off in my mum's bedroom. This is where the business started off, in an office in my mum's bedroom. So like her bed was there and we had a desk here. And then we've kind of moved it forward and we got ourselves a tiny little office where like two of us could fit in. And if a third person come in, it was really crammed and sweaty and hot. Anyway, next door to our office then, um, a guy moved in his team in the bigger more expensive office and it was a wealth management company and I remember thinking oh my god like who has wealth management like that must mean you're wealthy right so I used to always think I'm gonna go in there one day and I'm gonna ask him what to do with money right and it was like this complete we used to laugh about it Anyway, when we left that office to go to a bigger office and the wealth management guy was also leaving to go to a much snazzier office, um, the last thing I said to him was like, I'm going to come and see you one day and you'll know mm. that we're doing all right. I've got a freaking appointment with him on Thursday. What? You know, all this is it. Sobriety, vision board. It, it's not real. Like you say, it's not about vision. It's not about kind of wishing. It's about action. Doing it. Get on. Yeah. We're doing a vision board, aren't we? Because as I was, I was going to say this earlier, but now is a really good time to say it. We're changing. Like, honestly, we love the fact that we have the sober experiment, but it's not a sober experiment for us anymore. This is just life. Yeah. What we really should be doing is calling it our life experiment because that's where it's gone. In fact, I think we might rebrand, cross out sober. Still call it the sober experiment, but cross it out, we said. We we have actually discussed this. And yeah. I think, you know, sober is such a big part of our lives, but it's also become a massive part of our identity. Yeah. So as alcohol used to be a big part of our identity, sober has become that. <laughs> and it's like, we're both getting to the stage where we're like, not, I don't really, like, we're more than that. Like, like what you said, this is our life now. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's, it's so shit at times. Hard work sometimes. But now what's an experiment is doing the stuff sober. Like, yeah. And it finding yourself. Like, and it's being sober. Like it, it's, it's just so much part of our life that we don't think about it. Like I'm so grateful to pee, be in this position and I do not think position, to, pee, to pee in this position. Oh, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> that's coming up later with our guests. We'll talk about peeing positions. <laughs> Well, she's here in a, in a second, actually. Um, but yeah, I'm just so grateful to kind of like, I am grateful to be sober. But like you say, it's just my life now and it's your life. It, it's, I don't, that's what I was saying. I do not think about drinking. I don't want to drink. I don't think about it. And I think that's quite important and good for people to know, actually, those at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It's like you do get there where it's not like, a thing anymore it's just your life changes it becomes that way and, and then you always want the next steps and you know going back to doing lots you know you do lots all the walking all the hiking you do the trips away your camper van having a relationship with somebody who, who you absolutely adore and adores you back is she here our guest Alex she is here and we're going to introduce her now I've sent her a little message so she knows that we're going to be all oh, right okay and and you know like I think about this and, you know, doing the karate, doing the PT. I've even practised my organ this morning and it's only half past nine. Can I just throw another thing in that I did, yeah. at the, like, which I'm so chuffed about, which I wouldn't have done when I were not drinking. I went to the Hollingworth Lake this weekend oh, well and I went paddle, but I know I've been shitting myself about it and so scared to go and book on anyway I did it I booked on one of our members came with me which I was so chuffed about and I freaking paddleboard on on stood the up. lake and you turned right and I turned right and I stood up and I put <laughs> a muscle in my car <laughs> but, yeah right introduce our guest come on she's waiting Okay, so today's guest, um, there's a bit of a theme going on this season, you will notice. <laughs> but yeah, we've been, uh, we're dead excited about this. It's Kate Roham and Kate is a menopause speaker and campaigner. I love a campaigner and also a fitness coach. So let's welcome Kate. Hi, Kate. Hopefully you can hear us. I can hear you. Yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? 
We're good. We are, and we can see you now as well. That's good. <laughs> Look like you've already been hard at it this morning. With I have. I've just taught spin. <laughs> and also it's raining outside and studio's over there. So I'm soaking wet, but looking forward to this conversation. Oh, that I can't believe you've just taught a spin class like that was my most hated class ever um a spin class all I remember I remember going to one once on a Saturday and I'd been out on the Friday night and I'd done a spin class and then threw up after and it's put me off for life I must try it again now I'm a non-drinker yeah, I'll get you to come you can come to one of mine I had a lady actually a couple of weeks ago who's like I hate spin I don't know why I'm here and actually the only reason she'd come was the promise of a cold water swim afterwards um and she's now coming and she's come she's been like three or four times now she's just left as well so um, oh that's I, amazing yeah because I've done the same I've only ever been to spin once with my sister and we'd both been hard at it here on the Saturday night and we'd gone to a Sunday morning spin class and I vomited as well on the but I was uh, a vomiter yeah <laughs> that's funny I was like oh I hate spin actually no you don't it's just that you were too blooming hungover to enjoy it properly so yeah not a good way to not a way, good way to exercise no no so t- tell us um, a little bit about that because you you've you are sober, aren't you, Kate? Or... Yeah, I am. So I'll be, I'll be really honest with you because we'll come around to that story. I am living a sober life. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the easiest thing to say is. I, I had a, an itch that I wanted to scratch. Um, and I'm very honest with my um, followers and it really wasn't worth scratching. So if anyone is listening and they're like, oh, you know, I want to sort of see what it's like. Because for me, just kind of stepping backwards to where I was in becoming sober um, was that I have a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol is is the way I see it. But my drinking wasn't letting anybody down or impacting anybody else's world, only mine. So, you know, it's very difficult when I decided to become sober um, because I realised I was drinking too much. Um, You know, people around you go, well, hang on a minute, you're not an alcoholic. You don't need to to, to give up. And I think actually, (laughs) yeah, for those people, I almost think it's it's harder because there's no one supporting you, right? And saying, you need to do this. You need to go out there and do it. It's it's like a personal decision. Um, And for for two years, uh, or not even two years, um, I did it. And then I was away and I thought, you know what? I just, I just want to scratch that itch. I just want to see um, what, 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 what am I missing? Because I just kept kept on my brain, you know, that little wine where yeah. you are missing something. And I was like, okay, all right, you, let's have a look. Let's find out. And it tasted disgusting. Um, I mean, to be honest, I didn't have that much. So it wasn't like it was, you know, going to necessarily give me a hangover, but I felt pretty rubbish. Um, and I didn't have any more fun. So that's where I'm at. Now you know. And now I know. That's so interesting, you know, Kate. I was I saw somebody's post actually on Instagram today and they was doing a year sober and she found it really hard on her holidays. And then she's just been on holiday after doing a year and was like, you know what, I'm just going to see, just see what it's like. Um, and she kind of wrote like she had one at lunch and said, you know what, it was just disgusting. It tasted disgusting. It made me feel tired, lethargic. And I think on one of the nights she had it and then she said the heart palpitation started, the anxiety, she felt horrific. And then they spent the rest of the holiday going on 5K runs and and, you know, enjoying it. But I did actually think, you know, it's so interesting to hear that. And I think it's good for people to hear that because there's a lot of pressure around sobriety and being sober forever and ever and ever, you know, like, so it is good to know that it's still shit. (laughs) And it's poison. It is poison, right? I mean, at the end of the day, and what was really interesting was it took me, I I think probably, I mean, I had like two glasses and it was that thing, it was that rosé that I always used to just like, you know, big icy glass of rosé that just used to be my thing. Yeah. There was nothing, um, I mean, there was just nothing about it. And I, I literally for a week felt like crap. Um, but the good thing, I mean, the good thing was I didn't feel, I didn't feel guilty because that's what I didn't yeah. want to feel guilty. And I didn't feel guilty because I hadn't let anybody else down. Yeah. Because it was my personal, like- yeah. And I think that's really important for anyone listening that thinks, oh, well, I'll give it a go. Just remember why you're on your sobriety journey. If it's because you, you know, you, you perhaps have had a more dysfunctional relationship with alcohol than I have, and you would be letting a lot of other people down. I mean, yeah. it's just not worth scratching the itch on, on any, on any surface. I've done it for you. Yes. Well, thank you for that. That's good for that. For that, because we needed it. 
just go to your uh, before we talk about um, menopause a little bit more and, and yeah. particularly menopause in sobriety which we're both really interested in because we're both at that point I think um can I talk to you about your fitness journey and, and how that started and obviously how being sober impacts that because I don't know if you're aware but at Be Sober we have Be Fit sessions and we're really into our fitness here so it, we're in we're basically Kate we're interested in everything you do <laughs> yeah just tell us everything I love it. Um, so where do I start? I mean, if I, if I go, I mean, I can, no, I won't go back to the beginning because that was like 46 years. You'll be here forever. Um, <laughs> but like in terms of sort of the fitness side of things, um, I'd always liked fitness. I hadn't been particularly fit. Um, I then had my third child, Rupert, when I was 40 um, and really struggled to lose the weight and obviously didn't slightly realise at that time I was possibly sort of coming into that perimenopause phase where it is a little bit harder to lose weight. But equally, at the same time, I was still burning the candle at both ends, you know, young children sort of and children um, drinking a lot. And, um, you know, it, it would it would impact my it would ma- massively impacts your um, recovery, your progress, all of that. I mean, it's, it's actually almost dangerous, I think, to to drink alcohol and exercise. It's counterproductive, first and foremost. Um, so I, I would say choose one or the other and obviously always choose exercise. Um, <laughs> and there was nobody I just couldn't see anybody essentially that I could resonate with working out there's joe wicks who i admire and actually he kind of got me started on my journey because i was doing the at home joe wicks workouts but then i was like there's no woman who is sort of struggling with kids or you know lifestyle and all of that sort of stuff so i went and qualified so qualified six years ago whilst i had a small child um but was still as i say um, had this dysfunctional relationship with alcohol that I've always had. Like, you know, if I, for as long as I can remember, alcohol's always been my crutch, my go-to, my celebration, my downtime, my happy time, um, my stress time. And, um, you know, being in fitness, I, I, I guess I kind of realised that something had to change, but I didn't address it actually until... I found myself in um, sort of the throes of perimenopause with crippling anxiety, terrible heart palpitations, hideous night sweats. And I was dragging myself out of bed because at the time I was doing these free Instagram workouts, um, you know, all smiling. Yeah, feeling great today. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I mean, there were one or two, as you're saying, with your spin, there were one or two I did where I'd gone to bed at like four in the morning, five in the morning. And on one morning... I'll never forget a friend of mine actually put my face into like a bubble of ice um, <laughs> before I went on to do a workout. And this was actually with a brand that I was doing a workout for. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of at that point where it's like, where where is this going to go? And that was when I found myself doing more perimenopause stuff. My dad very sadly then got a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer in September 2020. And that's when I sort of hit the... Um, the self-destruct button and spent the whole of October literally just drinking. Um, And I think by December, I just remember thinking, God, I can't wait for New Year's Eve because I want to do dry January with Dave. Um, You know, like willing that moment to come. And it came and um, yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. But the most incredible thing was seeing how my sleep changed and therefore my fitness became better. I was building muscle better. Um, I was waking up with more energy um, and I felt really true to myself um, and, um, you know, and, and owned it. And actually my business went, my business went from strength to strength to strength because I wasn't making silly decisions or, you know, and you find yourself like scrolling on Instagram. That's a really good idea. <laughs> so, and actually what, what I was doing was kind of had more structure to it. Um, and, you know, I would think, yeah, that's a good idea to post that. And it was, I wouldn't yeah. wake up in the morning and go, hang on a minute, who, what? Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, so, so for me, in terms of business, in terms of my fitness gains, in terms of managing my menopause symptoms, and actually in terms of being more present with my family, um, it's been brilliant. My teenagers would disagree because I now know how much time they actually do spend on um, their electronic equipment. And it's that, isn't you know, it that revelation of, I'm awake, get off. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, you know, you'd have that glass of wine and then they'd be, can I, you know, then you get the bars and the gym and then be, can I go on electronic? Of course you can, because I want to finish this bottle of wine. Yeah. So you can go and do what you 
you want. So I'm much more present with them, um, which it actually out of all of it is the most important thing. That was a big thing with mine, actually, Kate. You know, when I stopped drinking, my teenagers were really peeved off with me at first. And it's because it's because of that. I was so much aware of what was going on and I was confident with with my telling offs, <laughs> you know, like I would say something and then not kind of, I wouldn't go over the top or have to apologize afterwards and then take it all away. I was like, no, actually this is not happening and it really isn't happening. So they, it took them a lot of time to kind of adjust to my new parenting. Yeah. For all the kids, it doesn't. I'm in a similar boat to you, Kate, that I have. Um, I had two children in my twenties and then one just before I was 40. So I had that 10 year age gap and I, and I have a six-year-old now yeah. and a 17-year-old. And they take, you know, a lot of effort, as you well know, a lot of energy. In some respects, it keeps you feeling younger, I think, having a young child. But also, it's really exhausting. <laughs> it, it definitely is. It, it is. You're right. Yeah, definitely. Is. And also, with the teenage sons or teenage children, we're now an example to them. And yeah. you know, it, it, my son is into drinking. I'm not going to lie. Like he's finding his feet and I'm not going to sit there and go, listen, this is what it does to you. This is it. Because yeah, you've got to find your own path. And, you know, the, the more I say to him, don't have a drink, the more he's going <laughs> to do it. I was a teenager once. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is, is that I can stand there and say, you know, that this is why I don't do it. And I have just as much fun without alcohol yeah. and, and in the hope that one day that, you know, does click in but he he's a little bit more touch word and again he could have totally pulled the wool over my eyes um he's a lot more sensible than me and i and and he is scared of losing control it's i know you know like i look at mine and i'm i don't know whether he's had a drink with his friends he's certainly never come home drunk or never appearing like he's had any drink and i'm very much like you i tell him why i don't drink and what it does to you and what it did to me but I don't say you will not because unfortunately I don't think we can be unrealistic until society stops expecting us to drink. Yeah. We're going to want to drink yeah. as children, as teenagers. So I don't know. You, all we can do is like you said, is just be the example, I think. Yeah. You know, and he will, he might come home and he'll go like, oh, you know, not during the week, obviously, but on a weekend, you know, he's 16, can I have a beer? And I'm like, well, no, like, you don't what's what's you don't really need one you know like yeah I just I just think it's setting that sort of we don't just drink to drink you know which is what I think and this is no disrespect to to, to my parents that's the way we grew up like it was just yeah. odd and actually I remember when I when I did quit drinking um I think it took a while for my dad to realize it was a good thing having had honest conversations and my mom bless her you know, so I goes, oh, what? You're so much fun when you fall over on your face. But you know, <laughs> my was like, oh, okay. You know, and actually I remember we went to a charity ball and I woke up one morning um, and I was like, mm. and I looked in the mirror and I had a bruised eye and I cracked my jaw and I was so mortified because it was a school thing, you know, and sort of facing everybody. And I said to my mum the other day, at that point, did you not think to say to me, you don't know when to stop because it's not just about having one or two. Had I had one or two and I was fun and I was fine, you know, yeah, you're not going to pick anyone up on that. But, you know, to wake up with my kids, mum, how did that happen? You know, and then for your for your own parents not to go, listen, you know, you probably need to think about it, you know. Yeah. And there kind of was no answer because, I think, like you say, it was so accepted. Yeah. They just don't realise, you know, Kate, what my mum said to me once, and she'll kill me because she actually listens to this podcast. So keep telling her not to. So stop listening, mum. <laughs> Whatever she says. <laughs> but yeah, I was always very excessive at the weekends. I would class myself as a binge drinker. So once I went out, I didn't know when to stop. But in the week, it didn't really bother me. I could leave a bottle of wine in the fridge, wouldn't even think about it. I couldn't it. believe that. I know you, Alex, were so shocked. I remember saying, what? Why, why have you done that? But I, it just didn't bother me. But what my mum actually used to say to me was, like, I'd have a massive hangover on a Monday. And she'd be like, you're doing it all wrong, Lisa. You need a few every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's now over four years sober, my mum. So, oh my God, <laughs> so our listeners will know that. But, yeah, she was yeah. adamant. My mum doesn't drink. 
That's the extraordinary thing. She actually, again, I, she might listen. I mean, she chased my dad around the kitchen with a knife once because she was a really bad drunk, like quite aggressive drunk. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't drink. So she doesn't drink. You know, there's obviously, I mean, she might have, to be fair to her, she might have a glass of wine, but it would be, I mean, it's disgusting. It'd be one glass of wine that she keeps for the whole night and just keeps adding ice and water to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but it, again, you know, there's obviously there, there's a reason why, you know, and yeah. um, I just I think that it's so important, like saying to being women, well, mothers of, of teenagers, um, and in society, it is really cool and it's just so terrifying, really terrifying. But um, right. and it's like you know, this is legal, but it doesn't mean it's harmless. It's, you know, yeah. as you said, it's a toxin; it causes cancer. How can you get fit? How can you stay healthy? when you're literally pouring poison into your bloodstream that's going to every one of your organs. Like, it's just so counterintuitive and counterproductive, but we do it automatically. It's only when you stop and reflect on that, isn't it, that you think, wow, what was I doing? I've got a PT um, and he's actually, do it. he was doing a year sober up till this January. And we had a conversation the other day and he said something about, oh, I'm doing my year. And I just asked the question because I'm a bit confrontational, probably come across as a bit judgy, but he knows me by now. And I went, why are you going to go back? Like, why would you as a PT put alcohol in your body? And he, and he really just went, I don't think I will. I don't think I will. So, you know, he, he's the same, like he's mega, mega fit, does loads of exercise. Why would you want to put some crap in his body that's going to dehydrate him and make him feel and perform under par? You just don't want to do that. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's again, it's um, it's society, isn't it? And actually, I was thinking this the other day. You know, if we did turn into that sober world, all the pubs, all that. And actually, I remember going up to my pub when I was sober saying to them, it'd be really nice if you had something other than water or fizzy water, you know, because you get yeah. some future. And he goes, but it won't sell. And I'm like, no, but do you know what? If you, you need to start having we need to start having more access to non-alcoholic drinks because there, there are times when you're there and there there are places that don't give you the choice and they don't give you the option and then for someone like your PT or you know who might be something like, oh well I'll just have a beer then you know because there is yeah. no there's no decision to be given anything else that's healthy um you know and that, that's kind of where we need to really start driving driving it I think yeah you're I think right. um like when you said that about they don't sell and I know they don't sell as much and you don't drink as well normal people probably don't drink as much when they go out but I'm still a really nervous drinker so even if I've got an alcohol free drink I will drink it as quick as anybody else drinking so they do sell I would have just as many as somebody drinking alcohol probably I would go home earlier though zeros if they sold corona zeros I would drink them out more but you can't get them anywhere yeah they are slightly full of sugar as well these non-alcoholic well not not all of them just the beers and i wouldn't actually now it changes at the beginning i used to buy them at the weekends to sort of subsidize that habit but now i I can't remember the last time i had an alcohol free beer if i'm honest like they've been in the fridge for months and not touched it's which is unheard of that's the other thing that, that that i think is interesting and to share is that i never ever when i gave up went for alcohol-free alternatives because I just couldn't really do that. Like for me, and I know everyone's different. Actually, I, I would have maybe a tonic with um, like lemon, a nice without the gin or the vodka. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't do, I mean, I never drank beer, but I couldn't, I didn't even want something that resembled yeah. alcohol. Whereas obviously for some people that can be quite helpful. Yeah, I think you're right. It is, and it, it does come down to that, that personal choice. We were coaching last night and somebody said she would never touch alcohol-free beers because she found them triggering, but she could do the non-alcoholic fizzy stuff because it didn't bring up those feelings. So I think it is really personal choice on it, isn't it? And what it makes you feel like. Yeah, no, completely. We'll get back to our chat shortly, but first let us tell you about some of the things we offer at Be Sober. We don't want to bombard you with everything we do because it's absolutely loads. This week, we're going to tell you about our upcoming workshops. So we have some incredible workshops coming up. And when I say incredible, I mean incredible. It's just £25 for 90 minutes that will quite possibly change your life. The workshops include Combat Your Stress Response, Live By Your Values, Overcoming Overwhelm, Dealing With Guilt and Shame, feeling your feelings and living a balanced life. So instead of spending your money getting wasted this weekend, get yourself over to our website, click on the shop page and book onto one of the workshops. For 
just £25 and 90 minutes of your time, these workshops will guide you to understanding some of the actions and behaviours related to the way we might feel in any given moment. Right. I want to talk about menopause, Kate. Let's get to menopause. <laughs> so do I. Um, like, yeah, Lisa's done my head in, right? I need to tell you this because we, we, we knew that Lisa wasn't 100% right, but didn't know why. And now we know why. And it's perimenopause, right? Well, I don't know. I'm still umming and ahhing about, <laughs> about this. But I think um, it answers a lot of questions when I've looked at the symptoms. And I ju- honestly, Kate, I thought it just wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> how, old, how old are you, Lisa? I'm 43. Yeah. So I'm 43 and apparently this is quite young. Um, so people keep saying to me, Alex was one of them that were like, oh no, you're not getting old yet, which is now I've realised a bit of a stigma about yeah. all this. Because so I like that you were kind of I don't think it'll ever happen to me either, by the way. I'm in denial because <laughs> I've had a baby only six years ago. Yeah, well, I'm 46 and I've been on HRT for almost two years. Right. So can you tell okay. us about it, especially like the beginning part of it did you know about menopause before we start this can i just say if men are listening please will you stay listening because it's really important that you have this information in life right you can't just pretend we don't exist (laughs) i think what i'll start with in that case is that menopause isn't just a woman's problem because it affects all of us yeah um you know so men stay on because you could be employing um a menopausal woman you might be employed by a menopausal woman you will at some point be married to a menopausal woman your sister you know all of these things so i kind of say to everyone you will come across a menopausal woman at some point in your day 100 percent um but if we kind of start with, um, you know, you being told you're too young, that was definitely something that I was told when my older friends were, were talking about menopause. You know, you're too young, you're too young, don't know, you know, and uh, it happens to old people again, such a terrible, terrible um, myth. And, um, you know, you Google menopause and it's this sort of, you know, yeah. old lady. And as we can see, and as we now know in the media, it's far from that. There are so many women smashing um, the menopause space who are fit and healthy and um, look great. And also um, you can have an early menopause. Um, there's a wonderful lady called Haley out there who does some really good work. There's lots of them. And then there's the Daisy Network who support people who've had POI, which is premier, um, primary sorry, ovarian insufficiency. Um, who, she had her menopause at, um, she had one period at 12 and then went into menopause at 14. <gasps> so wow. you know, it's not, it's, that's rare, but it's not, it's not unheard of. Um, but in terms of menopause, so perimenopause can happen for around about 10 years. Um, the average age of menopause is 51. Therefore, if you were to be experiencing symptoms in your early 40s, that is not extraordinary and it's not and it's perfectly normal um the nice guidelines are and i guess this is where the confusion comes in is that if you are under the age of 45 and you go to your gp they will say have a blood test if you're over the age of 45 you do not have to have a blood test so you can go in and say these are the symptoms i'm experiencing um can you help me what can i do you know and take as much information with you as possible because sadly gps don't have a lot of training in menopause that is changing um but just as long as you're armed with as much information as possible now i was under the age of 45 um my symptoms were terrible terrible night sweats um crippling anxiety heart palpitations panic attacks rage um and when i think back now more symptoms have come out dry eyes um itchy skin um funny tasting in my mouth i used to get the sort of like weird taste in my mouth um and joint aches and pains um and feeling really really alone in what is a really really crazy world so managing everything but yet literally feeling like i was part of a whatsapp group but no one was answering yeah. that Oh, that's you, Lisa, 100%. That's, that's how you felt. And it's a really horrible feeling. It's really lonely and I would get really sad. And I think, and definitely, I mean, my husband doesn't listen to any of my podcasts. I'm not going to um, bad mouth him at all because he's a wonderful man. <laughs> We're growing apart, you know, we yeah. have separate journeys because he didn't understand who this kind of mad woman was. My kids actually didn't really understand either who I was. And the worst thing was I didn't understand who I was. And I felt like I was just existing, I guess. And I think that's where I then turned to drinking more alcohol. And that's what a lot of midlife women find is 
um, that they are, they just don't know what's going on. So how do we, how do we make that better? Well, we have a drink. Obviously what they don't know is that they're then having a drink and then they are increasing pretty much every single symptom that they're going to have of menopause and exacerbate that. So it's going to become worse. Um, which is, I guess, where I, where I finally kind of ended up, um, which is everything was counterproductive and I was working out. Um, and I didn't feel like I was making any progress. So it just is like a big ball of crap. But actually, the one thing that we must remember is that if we educate ourselves and if we make some lifestyle changes, this can really be a time to thrive. And you don't have to get to the the, the bottom before you can come out, rather like giving up alcohol. You don't have to be at the bottom before you quit. It, kind of the same with menopause. You know, if you're beginning to notice some of those symptoms that I've mentioned, start thinking about that and thinking, right, what can I do? How how can I make it better? Do you think if people are sober, though, you know, as much as you're saying that the alcohol can exacerbate those symptoms of um, perimenopause and menopause, do you think when you're sober, you notice the symptoms more? Because one of the things that I have found personally, and, you know, I, I like to say I'm massively in denial, but I definitely have some symptoms. Um, dry eyes is a hundred percent. I, you know, when I last went to the opticians, they said, Oh, your eyes are very dry. And I knew they were, they were a little bit yeah. sore. I already have heart palpitations. They have definitely worsened. Um, anxiety a little maybe, but some of our women in our groups have said that they really feel it more without being able to take the edge off with alcohol. Would you say that you've heard that before? Do you know what? I mean, probably in a way because you're more aware of the heart palpitations. So when my, when my heart palpitations were actually at their worst, I would have a drink and they would go because you do, you relax, right? So you're yeah. taking away that anxiety. But then the next day they would be worse when I was sober. So yeah. because I've because you've sort of sped up that thing and then I'm more aware of them. I, I, I would say that's a hard question to answer, but but what is important to, to know is that because menopause isn't linear, and because, you know, your hormones rise and fall like a, a roller coaster, there will be times where you've, you know, you don't, you, your periods might become irregular. So what's really important to know is that you can still have periods and be in perimenopause. They, you might notice that they get a little bit lighter or a little bit heavier or a little bit longer or a little bit shorter. So a, a pattern, you know, sometimes starts to change there. But essentially, obviously, your estrogen, progesterone and testosterone will all be still rising and falling and rising and falling. And then just before, obviously, you've got, you're getting your period, that time where you want to eat everything that's in the house, you want to sort of shout at everybody and you want to cry a lot because you've got no more estrogen or progesterone that's all dipped down. Those are the, that's the point where you may find that you get more heart palpitations, more anxiety, more night sweats and sort of through your period. And then as the estrogen begins to build up again, you might feel good again. And then suddenly it begins to deplete. But if it's not going in that nice 28-day cycle, you know, often it will come kind of from nowhere um, and hit you. So it's really important to track. Um, but again, to the to the women that are sober, so they might feel this this rise and this fall and this rise and this fall. And it's probably, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably because they are more aware of it and people who are drinking might have a drink to to dull the symptoms. You get that anyway, don't you, in sobriety, that rise and fall of emotions. So I guess it's just going to be all more apparent. Can yeah. I just say as well that I'm so glad that you've said that because I think it's the rise and fall that makes, for me personally, makes me feel like I'm going a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's really worse. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I must be going through the perimenopause. And then I'm like, absolutely fine. I'm like, oh, no, I'm absolutely fine now. I'm on top of my game. It's great. And then it happens again. And I'm like, maybe I'm just fucking crazy. Like, yeah. that is how I feel. But that is one of the symptoms is thinking that you are crazy as well. Yeah, I do. It's making me emotional right now. I actually, that's an, I know that's another one. I've read it. But I actually want to cry right now that you've said about the rise and fall. And I'm like, oh, related, isn't it? And you've made yeah. feel heard, you know, like feeling heard is so important in anything. Yeah. It's also really important to remember that even when you do take HRT, that that isn't going to solve all your problems as well. And I think that that is a really important conversation that needs to happen because it is absolutely brilliant. And um, Diane Dansbrink, who's been campaigning um, around menopause and obviously menopause mandate, you know, Mariella, 
um, and um, all the celebrities there that have been doing all of that sort of stuff. But it is those lifestyle changes that's really, really going to help you manage these symptoms of menopause. Because I do take HRT and I do have a brilliantly healthy diet mostly, you know, um, I do love chocolate and crisps. Um, not going to lie, um, but I still you still get the peaks and the troughs because obviously you've got your your hormones are still doing that in perimenopause. You've got your patch or your gel or whatever you're taking in HRT, which is stabilising the hormones. But there's still going to be that point. So if, if you imagine your patch is your baseline, but then your natural hormones are down and going, going up and down, you're yeah. still going to get those fluctuations. And that's the same in any phase of life for women, isn't it? You know, we do it through our cycles anyway. You know, regardless of whether we're at that next phase of perimenopause or menopause, we we have those fluctuations anyway. Because this is what stops you getting help, I think. Because you're so aware of being up and down anyway, that's what stopped me. Like I I did have an appointment with um, a doctor and I had the appointment and then I've been sent a letter with loads of words in it. I'm not good with loads of words, right? (laughs) And it's like, I want to try test you for this, this, this. They just want to see if my thyroid because of my age. And I mean, do you know what I would do? I, I would go armed with print off the nice guidelines. I'll send it to you afterwards. Um, There's something called the green climeric scale um, where you can check what you've got. And I would just go in and say, look, you know, I've done my research. Um, I'm very happy for you to do the blood tests on, on everything, but if my hormone levels come back and they're normal, could you retest in six weeks' time? Because if right. they test you just um, as you're, you know, in mid-cycle and your estrogen's really high, you're bound to get a normal reading. If they test you just before you have your period and your estrogen's low, they might yeah. get a reading that said you're perimenopause. You know, my doctor about, and I'm 44, so two years ago, when I'd had a couple of pregnancy losses in the last four years, and I had my hormone profile done after that, and I went in saying... I think I might be in perimenopause because of some of the things you're describing. And my male, may I say, GP said, oh, no, you're too young. And I dismissed it. And it's only resurfacing as a conversation for me because Lisa brought it up for her. And of, and everything that we do, we kind of go through together, everything. We're in it together. We were all in this menopause Alex, it's really, together. It's interesting that you say that because actually I think my perimenopause probably started like not, not early, but earlier. So I had four miscarriages actually before I had Rupert. Yeah. So my body was obviously doing something then. My eggs weren't, you know... Fine, yeah. like they should. They weren't producing, um, you know, the, the the good ovaries that wanted to, to take. So that, and I often have this conversation with GPs or not GPs, with the menopause doctors I work with. And I say, could that have been an indication that perhaps actually from around about the age of 37, when our eggs do start to decrease anyway, that I was perhaps in that pre-menopause journey because I might, you know, Rupert I had at 40 and I was realising by 42 that I was in in sort of perimenopause. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that there's a, a, a real myth here that that you know we're not too young. And 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 actually, even in terms of that, going to your GP and just sort of bringing it back to the exercise, your bone um, density is at its peak by the time you are thirty. Yeah, your muscle begins to um, decrease. You know, the, the, the onset of sort of sarcopenia and muscle decline from the age of thirty five. So kind of regardless of the fact whether we're too young, and actually this then brings me back to this conversation about alcohol, is that drinking alcohol will have an impact on your bone density. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as women, as we come into menopause, as it is, we are more susceptible to osteopenia and osteoporosis, which is the breakdown of bone. So for me, I've, got, I've had a diagnosis of osteopenia in both my hips. And I know why that is. Yes, there's a certain amount of genetics behind it. My dad had two um, hip replacements, so he obviously had weak hips. My granny did have osteoporosis, but I drank a hell of a lot into my 40s. And I have clearly, it's clearly had an impact on my bone density. And if I go back and I think, well, at 30, that was when my bone density was at its peak, what the hell I'd done before 30, which was way more than just drinking alcohol, you know, smoking, doing whatever, that, that, well, my bone density at 30, we didn't have a chance. Um, So we, you know, that, that actually, when you go to a GP should be something they say, you know, what, what are your, what is your lifestyle? Um, Are are you drinking? Are you smoking? Are you exercising? Are you lifting weights? 
well beyond my 40, you know, beyond and You should be lifting weights, right? As in your 40s. Oh, God, yeah. Because we were talking about this at the beginning of the podcast. You can um, actually still improve your muscle and improve your strength even after peak bone and muscle density has passed. They are good arms, Kate. We started talking about Alex's arms and I'm not going to lie, they are nice. (laughs) Well done. You can build, this is the most important thing for us. We're not going to bulk as women if we start lifting weights um, by any stretch of imagination. Um, And you're going to build lean muscle that's going to support your joints, um, you know, and then you're building that bone, which is going to, you know, over the age of 50, I think it's a third of women are likely to have a fall and then potentially a fracture. And then obviously what we know with a hip fracture is that that can massively, massively decrease mobility and and increases morbidity. So, you know, people can die from a hip fracture because they can't move, which um, can then obviously... Um, heart disease, the onset of type two diabetes, um, and cancers if we're not exercising. So, you know, all of these things, you know, we need to know really from the age of, I mean, it's that they're teaching menopause education in school, but I think as a, as a, as a whole, there should become some kind of like lifestyle module in school where we learn from a young age. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we yeah. need to know that just as menstruation is a phase, perimenopause yeah. is a phase, menopause is a phase. You know, we need to know all of this and how to work with it because it's going to happen. But this if we knew what alcohol did to us, let's say around the, at the age of 12, and it's sort of not fed in a like way, you can still choose to drink, but you're less likely to choose. If someone said to you, if you do that, you're going to get cancer. Yeah, do it right. You're not going to do it. Why? Why? Considered it with a balanced view. Yeah. Did you follow the running granny on Instagram? I was. I was just thinking about that. I don't. She. We went to um, an event earlier this year, actually, with um, Love Her Wild, and she was one of the speakers there. And she'd been quite overweight she's in her 60s now and she was an osteosurgeon and she does a lot of research on bone density and muscle density and weight she's actually amazing angela she's called um if you want her email she'd love to hear from you because she's very interested in working with people Um, she was like the oldest person as well oldest female to do the land's end to john orgort's run yeah, I think I have heard. Uh, uh, yeah, amazing. Honestly, she's done a, some fantastic. Do you know, my my boyfriend oh. always says like because I, I speak of the running granny quite a lot, and he's like, "Do you really like this running granny?" And I'm like, "Yeah, she's so wise." It's like it's like that woman trained with Joan as well. Have you seen her? No, she's got about a gazillion followers. She's in um in America, and she's 75, and she was overweight, and she's taken up weight training, and she now. I mean, she's extraordinary, you know, and she talks about the weight training and actually, again, lifestyle changes, no alcohol. Nice though, isn't it, Kate? Yeah. Nice, you know, yeah. it's about your uh, menopause as in your knowledge. Is that all self-taught? Have you just thrown yourself in and done loads of research? Yeah, loads of self-taught, but I have done in terms of the fitness side, I've got three different, um, so um, Burrell Education, they do a really good menopause course. Um, I've actually done, I mean, this is where my husband's like, okay, woman, um, you need to calm down. But Louise Newson, who um, is great in the, in, the, in the menopause space, she did a 14 fish course, which was for, for nurses and doctors. And I paid to do that. And actually, she managed to get that into GP surgeries. She gave a little really? way so that people could learn. So I did that course. Um, and then um, I've done one other one. Um, can't even remember what it is. But I literally just want to have as much knowledge as possible. Obviously, I'm really cautious when I give medical advice. Um, but on the app, obviously, that I have created, which is all around menopause, I've got two GPs on there so that, you know, any guidance, any advice, anything given is all obviously within medical realms. And I'm not just um, um, not just making it up. But that that's the most terrifying thing, actually, is that we have to empower ourselves. But I think it's probably like a sober journey, right? Because you yeah. decide to quit alcohol. Yeah. All my books. You know, and you have to go out and buy the books and you have to go out and educate yourself as to why it's so bad, why you're making these lifestyle changes. And actually, I've given my, given away so many books to people um, because they don't necessarily know 
you know, where to go and get that information. I mean, it's, it's, it's there and it's, it's happening a lot more, obviously, in the sober world, menopause world, it's coming through. Yeah. Um, and the sober world is doing, you know, really, really great stuff. But, you know, think about 20 years ago when people were going through this, they had no idea how to clean up. I mean, they had no idea of the effects of alcohol. Um, you know, and I just feel if what we know now, I don't understand why people aren't making, you know, good lifestyle choices. And again, that's not to say like you, you have to quit, 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 quit. Okay. You know, if we're going to put it in a, into perspective for people, that's definitely the best option. But as I say to so many women in this stage who, that they're going through a change, they're really fearful of making more changes when they're feeling quite terrible anyway. Okay. Try 30 days, try 40 days, give your body the best chance and just try it, you know, and see where it takes you and see how you feel. Um, or if you are one of those people like myself who would go, oh, I've done really well on Monday, Tuesday, it's Wednesday. I'll just have a drink. Oh, fuck it. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. You know, don't, yeah. don't be that person. And also don't, don't do the sort of month, like I, the Monday to Friday thing and then think you're being really good and then binge on the weekend. If you did choose to have a glass of wine on the Monday, that's fine. Then don't drink Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Maybe don't drink Saturday, Sunday. Like we always put these restrictions on ourselves around alcohol because we feel that we're in control of it by putting in those yeah. restrictions. And we're not, we're just lying to ourselves. You know, yeah. the moment you're putting in place restrictions, you've already lost yeah. control. It's, you know, yeah. it's not no, just free yourself. If anybody's no. still doing it, just free yourself from this cycle of awfulness we do it with food you see so it's it's it's, yeah it's true um and that's what i see again with with um perimenopausal women is so many women come to me and they're under eating and they're over training because again it's like how do we lose weight well we cut carbs we don't do this we don't do that and now you know this intermittent fasting thing which is brilliant for some people it's not great but not great for everybody but you know, we don't know almost how to eat anymore. Keto, carbs. Yeah, it's true. It's too many. I don't know how to eat anymore. That no. honestly, I I was I just used to eat whatever I wanted to eat when I was younger. I was naturally really quite. I was I was just dead skinny as a child, and I ate crap. And as I got older, that obviously changed. And about in my thirties, I put on quite a lot, quite a lot of weight. Went to Slimming World me being me ended up being a Slimming World instructor, team developer, big shebang. <laughs> can't just go, can can't just... No, I couldn't just go. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Got really involved with it. But honestly, looking back, that had, and I used to help people fit gin and tonics into the sins. Like, what the hell? Why did I do that? Be like, well, <laughs> did you know gin is much less sins than, I don't know, oh, cider yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But um, but I've now honestly forgotten how to eat. I think I, I don't know where I am. I don't want to do a diet, um, and then I don't believe in what the government told me about what you should be eating. Then I've got Slimming World brain. I'm just so confused. You know what? The, the best thing, the best thing that all, all I can say to people that are confused about eating is three wholesome, nutritious, colourful plates of food. Colourful, yes, I like. And try to have four to five hours in between each meal which can hopefully stop that mind of snacking because I think again, this culture around alcohol and perimenopause and motherhood is yeah. gets to five o'clock and you might like um, Alex and I've got still a young child. So, you know, Rupert does eat before us because often my husband's not home until kind of eight thirty nine. you know, yeah. and it, often that time where you then start, you know, you perhaps haven't eaten all day because that's what, people do yeah I do from five o'clock literally until nine o'clock and you eat more calories in that time than you will and crap food and then you know again with the alcohol you know it's that thing you have that glass of wine I'll suck it I'll have a bag of yeah and then I'll have that (laughs) yeah it just takes away every kind of you know sense to nourish your body and that's what food is there for it's there to nourish your body it's there to help you build lean muscle and strong bones Oh, I'm going shopping me after this. (laughs) Honestly, I just, when I eat now, and this has come from training, from PT training, and I'm kind of almost dismissing a lot of the information. And I know that we probably shouldn't do that, but not everybody's the same. It is about finding 
the right thing for you. So, you know, I, I don't eat breakfast until quite late, but then I eat my main meal early. So, you know, I've got that period of fasting, not because I try to fast, just because that's what works so for me. people do, Alex, you're right. I mean, I haven't actually had breakfast because I'm because because today is the day where I've done that and then I teach at nine and obviously now I'm doing this my stomach is rumbling I will eat straight after me too <laughs> I, normally eat, I normally eat my breakfast at 10 I have lunch at around about two and then I have my supper around about seven so those are those windows so then I don't eat from seven until 10 so it, it is that's automatically about, that's like me a yeah. slight fast I'm gonna do that I'm um, copying I'm in on this because <laughs> you know, it's the hardest thing though is that snacking because I do love nuts and I do love a snack but yeah, what I'll, I'll do is I'll put on my food you know sprinkles of seeds and the pumpkins and all of that sort of stuff so that I feel like I'm um getting it but you know again menopausal women protein is so important have we need protein. more protein than you think don't yeah. we and have protein with every single meal. So, you know, breakfast could be lovely Greek yogurt um, with some granola, with some honey, with some fruit. With That's some exactly what I have for my breakfast. See, you're nailing it already. <laughs> and then lunch, a nice piece of chicken with some um, brown rice, you know, some leafy green vegetables. Um, and you can have the same for supper or with salmon. Okay, my belly's rumbling. <laughs> you can eat so well. And again, it, it helps. Yeah. I think that was the one thing again when I gave up alcohol was that I wanted to eat well. I felt like I could eat well and I felt like my body deserved it because I think sometimes when you, you know, or not sometimes when you drink, mostly when you drink, um, you just, it just, everything changes. You just feel crap. So you eat crap. So it's it's and, and then you, you get that cycle, don't you? Yeah. We've already done it now, so I might as well carry on. I'll have some chocolate. It, it's yeah. that whole. It's everything, isn't it? Self sabotage. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I don't think we've got enough time. So I want to talk more. I know. I've got so many questions. It's doing my head in. I can see the time. What I do want to ask you is for anybody that is thinking and relating to these symptoms, Kate, would you recommend that they do go and see a doctor straight away? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. I would all monitor them depending on how bad they are. Like if they are bad, go and see your GP. And remember with those nice guidelines under the age of 45, you don't have to have a blood test if you're over the age of 45. So if you're over the age of 45, you don't have to have a blood test. If you're under the age of 45, they right. might well require you to have one. Also key, if you're having periods, you can still be in perimenopause. Um, but definitely, you know, reach out and um, and get help if that is you. And if you've got joint aches and pains, which a lot of people yeah. have, still exercise. Like, don't let that be your excuse to to stop moving because um, that will it will help. Can we just ask you where can people find follow you and and, and your app as well? Can you? Yeah. Tell oh my goodness! I'll give you a million social medias. No. So, sort of my day to day one about me and my journey is kate rh underscore fitness then the one that's more specific to my app which is called owning your menopause and that's the the instagram is owning your menopause and the app is owning your menopause and the really exciting thing is i don't know when this comes out but i have got a black friday deal yes um so um with which is 25 uh, percent off the app on an annual subscription um and the code is oymbf um but that those details are all there so oym yeah. BF. Yeah. And the other exciting on your menopause yeah. best friend. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the other thing you get is I've teamed up actually with lots of brands because you do see on Instagram people selling loads of stuff. And I really feel that has a place. But if you're a member of owning your menopause, I I keep those benefits exclusively for the members of the community because my Instagram was never set out to be a place where I was just selling stuff it was meant to yeah. be that journey and I'm not saying that that's not a really good thing to do to people it totally is but I feel like giving my members more benefits who are committed to their yeah work. definitely and so they should we'd love you if you're available at some point to come and have a little workshop with our members if you're up for that yeah I'd love to yeah absolutely if we stay in touch on email because honestly we're, we're running a series of well-being workshops with our members at the moment and it would be amazing they'd love something around menopause yeah. since I've spoke about this on um our first 
podcast this season I've had so many inboxes about it and people relating and wanting to talk about it and wanting to do something and oh, just feel less yeah, alone and so. get more exercising as well at the end get everyone moving a little yes that would be amazing you can not spinning not spinning, uh, spinning. <laughs> Lisa will send you a list of available dates and if you if you yeah. want to do one we'd love you to be part of I that. know I always look really busy but I'm not I'm free as a bird so um, <laughs> oh that's amazing hey honestly Honestly, thank you so much because you're just like a wealth of knowledge and it's been amazing. I could speak to you for another three hours right now. Put the kettle on. <laughs> you, our question that we ask everybody, which probably doesn't feel as relevant to you because I think you just own life, full stop. But we, our motto is um, be brave, be kind, be sober. Which one of those three do you most relate to and why? Just right now. Um, I think be brave because... Yeah. Um, I think as as women and as midlife women, we have a lot to deal with. We don't trust ourselves enough. And I think we need to be braver um, and own it. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm emotional after this episode. Oh God, I've got to work with you for a bit longer yet. <laughs> no, I am. I just think it's been so lovely speaking to you. Like, honestly, it's made me really emotional. Like yeah, I could you actually... don't feel so alone now. So I think that's yeah. what it is. It's just really... Not, and I was kind of forgetting because we'd spoke about it and I was like, oh, I think I'm going through this. And then I've left, I've kind of left it. But all these symptoms are still there niggling at me. And I've avoided going back to the doctors because I had such a long list. Well, go, of- go book the appointment now. And the other thing yeah. is to talk to your husband and to talk to your kids because that was the one thing I did as well. Um, yeah. Because what I didn't say, and actually that might resonate with me, was when I realised I was in perimenopause, I thought as soon as I said that to my husband that he would find me really unattractive. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the connotations around it. And um, he now goes to dinner parties and he bores everybody with menopause chat. And actually, all the women are quite like, oh, oh you know so much. About <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. And my, just last little thing. My husband's loads younger than me. He really doesn't get it. And, and it also keeps me in denial because I feel like that. Like if I confess to be in midlife, he's going to go running off for a younger woman. Yeah, it's <laughs> no, not going to happen. He won't because you can you can own you can only menopause. It's all about you know. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It, it, you know, it it really doesn't. It, you can thrive at this time properly. Oh, oh. Thank you. just hang on for two seconds. We'll say goodbye for the sake of the podcast, but just hang on for two seconds. Oh, so. well, that's just weird. Now, bye, Kate, but not really bye. <laughs> <laughs> Say bye to the people listening. Okay, thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And don't forget to follow us or subscribe. And of course, if you loved it, then share it with your friends. Help spread the Be Sober love. If you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out lots more on our website, besoberofficial.com. So until next time, be brave, be kind, and and be be sober. sober!